So listen, we're going to get right into it. Okay, we got a lot to cover tonight. Uh, tonight's topic is called Restoring Hope. And I prayed, and we've been praying that God is going to restore hope tonight. Let's go right to anchor number two. It says, believe that God's love and power can restore hope and healing. It's no accident that that anchor is in there. Believe that God's love and power can restore hope and healing. 2 Timothy 1.7, for God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and a sound mind. Critical scripture when it comes to the second anchor. You know, I learned at a young age that if you want to be great at something, find someone who does it better than you and try and do it better than them. I just learned that at a young age. My fifth grade teacher took a liking to me and gave me a gift that changed my life. He gave me my first book to read. It was a book called Foul. Yeah, it's a book about the life of Connie Hawkins, an NBA legend from East Harlem in New York City. He told me that one day I would be able to play like Connie Hawkins and another guy named Julius Irving. He said their games, in other words, their style of play, were very similar, and you, Bill, have the potential to play just like them. He told me to start emulating the way I, I play basketball, to play like them, and that would make me unstoppable on the basketball courts. I have never forgotten the words that Mr. Stevens said to me that day. He said, one day, you're going to be one of the greatest basketball players ever. Looking back, it might have been the first time someone believed in me and told me that I would be someone great. You know what that did for me? That gave me hope in something. And that hope opened up doors for me that were put in motion so that ultimately I would be standing here today talking to you about a better hope and a hope that you can count on. Now God had to put to death my hopes of becoming an NBA star so that eventually I would wrap my hopes on a hope that would never disappoint, that would never fade away, or would ever, ever let me down. Mark Batterson said, hope is never losing faith in the end of the story. And as believers, we believe and know that the best is yet to come. And when it came to my basketball career, Carolyn would tell you that I never lost hope in the end of the story. The problem was I was putting my hope in something that most likely would have killed me. So God stepped in with a different plan. He crashed the scene with a plan not for disaster, but a plan filled with hope, filled with a great future. And when he crashed the party of my life, which was a disaster, he did it with love. He did it with power. And he did it with a sound mind. And he gave my wife the supernatural power to love me despite me and forgive me despite what I have done. That was love that I've never seen before. And I wanted it. That was power that I've never witnessed before. And I wanted it. And when my wife started talking to me with a calm and a confidence full of the Holy Spirit and said these words, Bill, God would never give up on you. And I'm not going to give up on you. And God can forgive you for anything that you've ever done. 
I don't know if I could ever forget, but I'm willing to give it a try. If you're willing to give your life to Jesus Christ, that was a sound mind filled with peace, filled with love, filled with power that I've never seen in her, and I wanted it. That was the night that I was forgiven and asked the God of all hope to give me hope that never loses faith in the end of the story. That was the night I first believed that God's love and power can restore hope and healing and heal my marriage. You see, hope showed up in my wife's car, but by faith, she had to let him take over. She was praying to God. There's no way I could ever do this. There's no way I could ever forgive him for the things that he's done. But by faith, she let hope take over. Hope showed up at my front door. But by faith, I had to let him in. Hope showed up to heal my marriage, but by faith, we both had to say yes to God, and by saying yes to God, we both said yes to each other. Hope showed up and spoke up when I surrendered my life to Jesus Christ that night. God said, now go fight for your family. By faith, I had to believe that was God, that it was God speaking to me, and that he was going to restore my family. How he was going to heal my marriage and restore my family I didn't know, but I just believed he could and he would. Well, that was 20 years ago, and we have never looked back. God is great. God is good. And, he's, and he specializes in doing miracles. We just, I mean, we're, we're married 33 years by the grace of God, and we've never looked back. God is good. <laughs> Quoting Mark Batterson again, he said, Faith is taking the first step before God reveals his second step. That's what faith is. Doubt is putting your circumstances before God. Faith is putting God between you and your circumstances. You see, faith sees the invisible, hears the inaudible, believes the impossible. Anchor, too, is called the faith anchor because it is the only anchor of all of our anchors that begins with the word believe. Faith re requires believing but the correct beliefs, if we're to experience this type of hope, activating anchor two by believing that God's love and power can restore hope and healing creates a critical crossroads wherein you can experience healing and growth in your life. It's at this crossroads that you have the opportunity to reconcile these questions. Do I really believe that God is who he says he is? And can God, can God do what he says he can do? And do I really believe that God loves me and has my best interest at heart? Hebrews 11.1 1 says, Now faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. Hebrews 11.6 says, And without faith it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. Did you catch that? If you want to be a God pleaser, you have to live by faith and not sight. And on top of that, there are great rewards and blessings for you if you live your life like that. Now this is usually the place where the excuse of 
Well, I don't have a lot of faith comes in and your selective hearing starts tuning the rest of the message out because in your mind, you're already going down a self-defeating highway of doubtful thinking that leads to hopeless actions. And the first thing I want to say to you is this, you're not alone. You're just not alone. We all struggle with faith. All of us do. We all have areas that we believe God for and areas that honestly we don't believe God for. There was a dad that had an encounter with Jesus that you're going to study more in this, in this encounter study in lesson number two that told Jesus this. It's probably one of the best prayers in the Bible. I believe, but help my unbelief. It's a great prayer. It's a great comeback. And the second thing I want to tell you is this. You have faith whether you believe it or not. You have faith. And so many people use the excuse, I don't have faith as an excuse not to follow God or not to surrender and obey God in certain or all areas of their lives. And one of the ways that you can know that you were made in the image of God is that God gave you a gift. By the way, you're a gift. But God gives you gifts. And one of the gifts that he's given you as a reminder that you can always know that you were made in the image of God is that God gave you the gift of free will. You wake up every day with a choice. And it's a gift from God. Because love is not real love if it is forced on you, but real love gives you the option to respond to it or to reject it, to accept it or to reject it. That's what real love is. And it can only come by your free will so that you can choose love. The same holds true for our faith. God gives us faith as a gift. All of us have it, but it's up to us to activate it, to be a good steward of it, and let it grow. Romans 12, 3 says, it tells us to humbly measure ourselves by the faith that God has given us. Now, why is what I'm saying so important? Because unbelief is the root of every sin. And if you want to live your entire life not believing, Ultimately, it could lead you to the only unforgivable sin. The only unforgivable sin that you could ever commit is to reject the Holy Spirit's promptings to trust in Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and the free gift of eternal salvation and to die in that state of unbelief. That's the only unforgivable sin. But now here's the encouraging news. God never said you needed a lot of faith just use the faith he has given you. You have to be a good steward of your faith and grow your faith. The apostles approached Jesus and asked him, Lord, increase our faith. Good request. Good job, apostles. See, faith is like a muscle. The more you work it out, the stronger it gets. The more you use the gift of faith, the more hope you're going to have. If your goal is to please God, faith is the roadmap to his blessings and favor. What you believe determines what you do. And they have momentary, seasonal, and eternal ramifications of either blessings or curses. You reap what you sow, and always greater of either blessings or curses. You reap what you sow later and greater either blessings or curses. And it is never, ever too late to start activating your faith and investing in later and greater blessings.
It's human instinct to think that we can manufacture God's blessing and favor by our own actions and deeds. See, most people think at the end of their lives that they're going to be judged on what they did or didn't do. In reality, they're going to be judged on what they believed or didn't believe because what they believed or didn't believe determined what they did or didn't do. Faith has to be your genesis starting point for everything that you do. Fear consults the facts, but faith consults the truth. Faith consults the truth, the way, and the life. And when your faith is relational like that, the level of trust skyrockets. Trust, trust is the highest form of faith that produces hope that changes everything. Trust. If there was ever a time for hope, it's now. What we need in society is not a nuclear invasion, but a hope invasion. What we need to heal the racial hate that's out there and divide is faith, hope, and love. Because those are the three things that are going to last forever. Faith, hope, and love. If all that remains when it's all said and done is faith, hope, and love, why not activate anchor number two in your life by faith and live that out so you can work towards your eternal retirement plan? I suggest you do that. But here's what I also know. It's hard to find hope in heaven when your life here feels like a living hell, doesn't it? Hope is hard to find without faith, and everyone's looking for hope. Every person who has ever lived has pondered the question, is there any hope for me? It's asked by thousands of people, thousands of people in thousands of ways. As you sit in the doctor's office waiting test results, when a couple has tried to reconcile and counseling gets them nowhere, when a family hears their child is missing, when you hear the words, I don't love you anymore or I never did and I'm leaving you, when you get the pink slip and lose your job, when you experience the pain of physical, sexual, or verbal abuse, when you doubt that your life will get any better, when a loved one dies in an accident, when your fears are greater than your pain and you lose all confidence, when your bad habits take over and you realize that your life is out of control, when depression leads you to a dark and helpless state of mind, when you think, can I ever be set free from these chains that keep me in bondage, is there any and have you noticed that there are always two alternatives in life when you're in need of hope? See, you can panic or you can pray. You can worship or you can worry. You can meditate on God's word or you can listen to the voices of others. You can obey God and be blessed or disobey God and forfeit that blessing. You can quit before the miracle happens or let hope keep you coming back. You can spend time in God's presence or waste your time with people who can't help you. You can be bitter or you can be better. You can be grateful or you can be resentful. You can build others up or you can gossip about them. You can think the worst about a person or give them the benefit of the doubt. You can operate in faith or you can operate in fear. You can trust God or you can trust in yourself. You can believe God or believe the lies in your head and you can take your thoughts captive or you can let your thoughts keep you captive. But Hebrews 6.19 Encounters signature verse says this, we have this hope as an anchor for the soul. It's firm and it is secure. 
So let me just share with you some additional insight and direction from God's word that makes our hope an anchor for our soul, firm and secure. One, hope depends on knowing the word of God. You have got to become a student of God's word. Romans 15, 4 says, For whatever was written in earlier times was written for our instruction, that through perseverance and the encouragement of scriptures, we might have hope. We might have hope. You got to become a student of God's word. You got to know how to take your thoughts captive. Because behind every self-defeating thing that you'll ever do is a lie that you believe in. And the antidote to that lie is the truth of God's word that you have to apply to your life. Number two, hope depends on knowing and resting in God's grace. 2 Thessalonians 2.16, Now may our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God our Father, who has loved us and by his grace gave us eternal comfort and a wonderful hope, comfort you and strengthen you in every good thing that you do and say. It's a beautiful thing to rest in God's grace. Three, hope depends on being filled with the Holy Spirit. You don't have the Holy Spirit inside of you, you have no hope. Romans 15, 13. Now, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, there's that faith thing again, that you may abound in hope. How are you going to abound in hope? By the power of the Holy Spirit. By the power of the Holy Spirit. Number four. If you're taking notes, this is where you want to take a lot of notes. Hope never disappoints. Romans 5, 1 through 5. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. How do you get in God's, how do you get in, in, into, into God's gracious favor? By faith. And we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we also rejoice in our sufferings. Why? Because we know that suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance, character. And character what? Hope. And hope does not disappoint us because God has poured out his love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit whom he has given us. This hope, my friends, that we're talking about does not lead to disappointment. And the hope that does not lead to disappointment means that you don't skip class on God's school of character development. It means you understand and believe by faith that God never wastes pain and suffering, but has a pathway and a purpose for you to go through, not to get out, for you to go through a living hope that never, ever disappoints. So the next time you find yourself in a hopeless desert, in a fire, in a storm, in the trial of your life, stop. Instead of ask praying for God to get you out of it or pray the prayers of why me again, you may want to pray these prayers. You may want to write these down. One, God, is there a lesson you're trying to teach me? Is there a lesson you're trying to teach me? That prayer should be followed up by this prayer. God, what character are you trying to produce in my life? 
What character are you trying to produce in my life? And then after you pray those two prayers, take an SAT test. I, I know I promised you I'd never use an acrostic again, but I couldn't help myself. Okay, so we're going to do an acrostic, S-A-T. The S stands for seek God's purpose in the storm. Seek God's purpose in the storm. The A, acknowledge his presence, truth, and healing. And T, trust God no matter what. Trust God no matter what. Take an SAT test. And one final question you need to ask yourself is this. When I can't see God's hand in my life, can I trust his heart? Can I trust his heart? Let's move on. Apart from Christ, number five, apart from Christ, there is no hope. There is no hope. Ephesians 2.12 says, in those days when you were living apart from Christ, you were excluded from citizenship among the people of Israel, and you didn't know the covenant promises God had made to them. You lived in, in this world without God and without hope. Number six, hope requires waiting and trusting God's word over your circumstances, feelings, and emotions. Look at Psalm 30, 130, verse five says, I wait for the Lord. My whole being waits. What does my whole being mean? It means your circumstances, your feelings, and your emotions. I wait for the Lord. My whole being waits, and in his word, I put my hope. Number seven, when you fear God and put your hope in his unfailing love, he never takes his eyes off of you. Psalm 33, 18, but the eyes of the Lord are on those who fear him, on those whose hope is in his unfailing love. Number eight, hope is the antidote to depression and hopelessness when you trust in God. Psalm 42.5 says this, why am I so depressed? Why this turmoil within me? Put your hope in God, for I will still praise him, my Savior and my God. You know what that is? That's what the writer in Hebrew says, when we, we are to continually offer up a sacrifice of praise, that we trust God, even when we're depressed, we trust God when we don't see him. It means I will praise you even though, even though I have cancer, even though I don't feel loved, even though they left me, even though I'm in the storm, yet I will praise you. And that's why number nine is hope brings joy. Romans 12, 12 says, be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, and faithful in prayer. Hope, it brings joy, unspeakable joy. And number 10, we need to hold on to hope during difficult seasons to experience the faithfulness of God. Hebrews 10, 23, let us hold unswervingly, I love that word, to the hope we profess. For he who promised, friends, is faithful. We need to hold on to hope during difficult seasons to experience the faithfulness of God. So as we bring this thing to a close, let me ask you, how much fight do you got in you? 
How much fight do you got in you? Are you down? Are you down for the count? Are you battle weary? Are you discouraged? Maybe even decimated by your own failures. Friends, the struggle is real. And faith is acknowledging that it's okay not to be okay, but hope says it's not okay to stay there. Contending and fighting for what you believe in is harder than conceding to what you're afraid of. Hope never gives up on God and God never gives up on you, so don't you give up on God and don't you give up on yourself. Hope says, I know God's fighting for me. Hope says, I know God loves me. Hope says, I know nothing is impossible. Hope says, I know every chain is breakable. And I want to tell you today that behind every champion is someone, every champion has someone in their corner fighting and contending for them. And my wife stands in my corner fighting and contending for me every day. She never wants to see me fail. That's one of the reasons why I love her so much. And maybe you don't have a relationship like that, but you have Jesus and the Holy Spirit in your corner praying for you every day, contending for you. And when the bell rings and you come back to your corner, here's what they're telling you. God calls you an overcomer. God calls you a warrior. God calls you a champion. And that's what you are. You're a fighter. You're a champion. You follow a God who's never lost a fight. He's a trillion and oh, undefeated. I don't know about you, but you know, I've been following this, this you know, this this Mayweather and Colin. McGregor fight, it's not a fight, it's a hoax. It's just, it's just, it's, it's fake news, okay? I don't even know what they're gonna do when they get in the ring. But they, I, wanna, I wanna close with a story that Mark Battison told uh, his men at a men's retreat that he shared on a Sunday service. And it's a story about John L. Sullivan. He was the last heavyweight champion of bare knuckle boxing and the first champion of glove boxing. This is back in the 1800s. He was undefeated until 1892 until he fought with a guy by, his name was Gentleman Jim Corbin. I, I love that. You know, a boxer, you know, calls his name Gentleman. This is Gentleman, but he's going to knock you out. Now check this out. They fought 21 rounds. 21 rounds. Who does that? 21 rounds until Gentleman Jim knocked him out with a left that 10,000, the history says 10,000 people that were in attendance heard the punch that connected to the jaw of John L. Sullivan. Knocked him out. But it was the bout that Jim Corbin had before the Sullivan fight that was so amazing. He fought a man called Peter Black Prince Jackson. The fight lasted, are you ready for this? 61 rounds. 61 rounds. Ended up in a no contest. Who fights 61 rounds? Oh my goodness. I'll tell you who fights 61 rounds. Someone with the motto of fight one more round. Because that was Jim Corbin's motto. And here's what he said about that fight when he was asked about it. He said this, when your arms are so tired, you could hardly lift them up. 
you fight one more round. When your nose is bleeding, your eyes are black and blue, and you wish your opponent would crack you on the jaw and put you to sleep, you fight one more round. The man who fights one more round, he's never whipped. Proverbs 24, 16 says this. The godly may trip seven times, but they will get up again. Failure is staying down, not getting knocked down. Faith is getting up. Hope is coming back and fighting another round after 61 rounds. Hope is getting knocked out but not losing the fight. Anchor two of encounter believes that God's love and power can restore hope and healing. It will restore hope and healing. Now, I thought I was going to close there. But I just got with God this afternoon. And I just started writing. And these words just started coming off the pen. And my, type, you know, my, my typewriter, I almost said typewriter. Oh, my goodness, I am old. It's my computer. Oh, my typewriter, oh, my goodness gracious. I'm from 1892. And I just started writing this, and it says, I'm part of the fellowship of people who never lose hope. I may get hosed in life, but hope dries me off. I may catch hell for my faith, but hope keeps my eyes on heaven. I may get tripped up and fall in a hole, but hope shows me the way out. I won't let the hacks of the world handicap me, hamper me, harass me, hoax me, haunt me, heckle me, hurt me, harm me, or humiliate me. They can hate me, be hostile to me, try and wreak havoc on me, and harass me all they want. Hope helps me not to get hung up on the hypocrites who are hard-hearted, half-hearted, hostile, hysterical hoodwinks who live hate-filled, hopeless lives, hell-bent on making my life a living hell. I won't let the heathen, the heretics, or the heinous keep me or my hope hostage. Why? Because I'm headed to a place where hope lives and hope prevails. I won't be part of the hateful conversation, especially now that I've been part of the hope invasion that has changed my heart. I will speak up and hold court for them in heaven with my prayers of hope and love for them, even though they hold court on earth and speak words of hate and hostility towards me. You ask, how is this possible? My answer is simple, hope. Hope has healed this hopeless man. Hope has changed this hateful man. Hope has filled this hollow man. Hope first loved this man. Hope died for this man and resurrected this man. I am part of the fellowship of people who never lose hope because I was once lost, but now I have hope. Romans 15, 13, may the God of all hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Let's worship.